patent pending. Do you remember that is an old bit of ours. The patent pending. And then there was the cycling of the computers rendering the music. Oh, that, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there's I'm, always there's never a patent that isn't pending. Yeah, yeah. There's always patent pending. It's just two, um, it's two a, sweaty guys in an it's office. A two, it's a toaster that can also be a pair of swimming goggles. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Put pending. <laughs> nice to be back i haven't seen you in a while for us it's, it's been a while i mean the listeners seamless regular service. as always if you haven't please go and listen to our episode that we did last week with phil dunster a lot of people yes from have ted lasso phil dunster from ted lasso we did a nice little short interview with him really interesting ted lasso is of course now out and you can see mm-hmm. phil dunster as jamie tart in that but um i had quite an interesting observation on the many flights not just the flights i've been on recently but on I'd say in the last six to eight weeks, mm. the big flights. Because you travel a lot. I've been traveling People a lot. People know this by both now. Work, I did work, stuff for work and a holiday. And, you know, on the long haul flights, as you know, you get a screen where movies are provided. I, I, when I, I understand. You've done it before. Thank you. And when I stand up to go to the toilet, I like to have a look across the entire suite of mm. screens. And a I survey. Like to sort of, a little, so I like to get a little census when I go to the toilet of what everyone is watching. And without fail, on all of the big flights I've done, there has consistently been, and I don't guess yet, one film that I swear to God about 65% of the screens are watching. And then I'd say there's another additional 25% that are watching another. And these two films, like 80% of the screens are watching this wow. without fail. Can you guess what the two films are that everyone is watching on planes okay. right now? Uh, would the ages of the people watching them, would that tell me what the, what the film is? I don't know, because they're just black, black heads. I, I'm, oh, I'm just looking at it. the vast sea. And this is, this is cross-class, okay. business class, wow. premium. I don't go into first, not allowed in. Not allowed <laughs> Not in. again. <laughs> but I always use the toilets near first. Good tip, by the way. Oh, right. Okay, well, because you've got the, the hot you, towels or something. You usually get like a little flower. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm peeing, I'm I like, thought, I thought this is would, luxury. I thought they would... Um, uh, that's as crude as we'll go this episode. Sorry, <laughs> listeners. Um, I, I, I thought that as you'd go further up the plane, they'd be like, sir, get back in your seat. They can do, but sometimes in the middle of the night, the air hosts are just, you know, sat Pumped there. out. You know, gossiping, on the valley thing. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. And this you can film. mix snacks in first class. But sorry, what would you guess are the one that's about 65% okay. and the other one that's right. dominating the other? Did these films come out in, in 2022? Uh, no. No. Did they come no. out in the last five years? Yeah. Okay. So they're recent, they're newish. Recent they, films. Did they come out in the last three years? Yeah. Okay. But not 2022. Oh, 2022, yeah. You said this year. No, I said oh, 2022. Last year. Sorry, you have yeah. traveled a lot. <laughs> Welcome back, James. It's nice to have 2022 you. 2022 films. Right. These films came out in 2022. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to just read a couple off. Black mm-hmm. Panther. No. I'm only going to say this next one because it's what the person across from me watched on my flight back from America, mm-hmm. which is Death on the Nile. No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, recent films last year that came out that are good for a plane. Are these long films? Uh, one of them is fairly long. Not 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 known for its length. But Doctor it's, Strange. No. Any? Uh, what's the other one? The mother. Of no, no, comic, no comic books. Wow. No com- oh, sure. A great prestigious movie from last year. A great movie from last yeah. year. So Barbarian. No. Come on. I, I, I know. Sorry. I'm so sorry. What am I talking about? Let me think. Top Gun. Yes. Top of Gun. Course, of course. Just unanimously being consumed. But the worst way to watch that film. Of course. You know what's funny is that it is 
a plane movie in both senses, right? It, it is. is a literal plane movie. Yes. And it has like a, a part, if you take away the fact that you're missing something from seeing it on the big screen, it has good plane movie credentials. credentials. It's it's digestible. It's, and I don't mean this in a bad way, it's easy to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's obviously great. So wherever I am on my plane, I can just look and selectively choose which, what scene of Top Gun Maverick true. I'd like that to sort of dip into. And it's even without sound. 10 meters away. Is it like Fantastic. watching all the screens in the architect scene from The Matrix? A you know, when you like got them all playing out. Because I'm sides. tall. So my yeah. head, you know, if I want to, I can sit up and I can go. Oh, but usually it's when I go to the toilet, I have a look. Sure. And um, yeah, it's I, always, always there. So sometimes I just see, I catch the final sequence without sound and I'm just still going, ah, oh, I told you not to think. I don't know if, I don't know if I would watch it on a plane, but then maybe no. if you've, maybe these people have been to the cinema, they've got it, they've had the experience oh God, and they're yeah. like, I just want to see Tom Cruise, you know, playing volleyball again. Yeah, I'll, re I'll rewatch uh, it and, beach, yeah. and not necessarily worry okay. if I fall asleep. So that's the 65% one. Right. Good, oh, at least over the half of them watch. Okay, and then there's the one more one. that I'd say, you know, Big, if, if two, two of three screens are Top Gun Maverick, the other one is- Is this stop. another good movie by our standards? Not, no, I'd say I gave it, I, I reviewed it. Not me. And I, I, and I gave it sort of like, it's, you know, it's Not there, everything everywhere. It's fine. No. It's not, okay. Um, what the, the one best picture? I'm like, well, it's not. <laughs> um, it's Spider Man, but that's the info. No. Okay, but you said no comic, books. no comic books. Okay, was it a big film? No. Okay, okay, but it's mm, 2022. 2022. Was this film nominated for anything? No. Okay. When did this film come out last year? Summer. Let me double check for UK times. I mean, you could just tell me, but I well, I love the game. So I'll, don't, give you, I'll give you another yeah, like. Give me another hint. It came out in September 2022, at least in the US, but let's call it some of the time. It's not bodies, it had, bodies, bodies. No, it had two very big, like real A-list stars in it, returning to a genre that has long been neglected. Tickets Paradise. Yes. And also, not the film isn't amazing, but good plain movie. Yeah, that good looks like a good plain movie. Is it 90 minutes? It looks like it should be. Oh, it is. Hour 44. That'll do. Digestible. I would, I would watch that on a plane. I would watch that on a plane. That's a, that's yeah. It's like a lot of George Clooney films are plane movies. You said you saw people watching the Oceans films. I think yes. Money Monster. Do you remember Money Monster? No, but I did. Rings the a bell. Death. I actually need to start making a list of forgotten major films. Yes, Money Monster is. We'll a talk about star, sixty-five later. Yeah, but, <laughs> but Money Monster is one of those films that okay, that came out six, seven years ago, and you're, mm. you you uh, Jodie Foster, George Clooney, massive campaign. Yeah. And you had to pause, and we do a film podcast, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> I actively engage in this. Yeah, media. I saw you go. Argh! I saw you scrunch up. Yeah. So we'll do that another time. But the okay, that is, films would be good. that is an interesting COD survey you've and done. And then the there. rest, I'd say, is just a smattering of, of different things. Like every, everything everywhere, I think, is showing on a lot of planes now. But it's like overwhelmingly. Wow. Top gun, top gun, top gun, top gun. It was what I could have. I wish I guessed that sooner because it was the second or no. In 2022, it was the most popular film, obviously. Yes. yes. Well, well, good. Well, it's good to have you back. It's, it's nice to talk to about uh, film. We have been able to watch stuff and you, you arrived only a precious few hours ago. I did. Well, uh, yesterday, sort of. early morning. So yeah, that's I precious. Tired and it was Mother's Day yesterday. So I was doing family stuff. Hello, and mom. then uh, thought I need to see something for the podcast. But I'll get into that later when, when, okay. we, when we do thoughts. But yeah, great episode today. We're going to be covering Scream 6. Yes. George has gone to see that. I've gone to see 65. Yes, another numerical film <laughs> with the, with the, with <laughs> the, with the letter six, so, number six. What are we going to call this? How many years ago is it? 65. You, you're telling me you don't want Spaceman versus Dinosaurs? Too long. Too long. <laughs> Too long. On with the show. 
So George, can you believe it? They've made a sixth Scream. <coughs> they have. They, it's Scream 6 is here and it's doing very well at the box office. I've managed to see lots of social media marketing for mm. it. I'm very aware it exists. I've heard some decent things about it, but you've gone to see it. George, tell me more. Okay, so Scream 6. So you're right, very effective marketing campaign where people are going around towns it does in itself, them. doesn't it? Brilliant. I saw clips as well of like uh, when they were do, doing screeners, they could get the audience to like scream. So a, a bar would fill a bit like Monsters Inc. Uh, uh, so the film could start, this film can't nice. start. And so you've screamed loud enough to. Sorry, was it Scream 2 where the Scream guy killed someone at the premiere for a Scream film yes, that where is, everyone was wearing I've, a ghost face? Well, I've only seen Scream, the original, oh, going right. into this. this okay. But you're right. In Scream 2, the meta-textuality is amplified because the yep. events of Scream 1 are then made into a film called Stab. Yes, and it's at the premiere of which, and there's this whole sort of copycat thing. And that very much bleeds into Scream 6. Nice. So just to lay the groundwork about Scream 6 a little bit, because if you were like me, who may not have seen a lot of Scream films, if any at all, I was thinking the sixth film that's a sequel to the belated reboot of a franchise that's like 25 nearly 30 years ago mm-hmm. it doesn't typically fill me with excitement it's, mm. it doesn't really have originality red flag. Over. yeah it's a bit of a red flag halloween we're looking at uh, you exactly right <laughs> um but uh i went in regardless so i've only seen the original scream mm-hmm what can I tell you about the, the plot? Basically, this picks up after the events of Scream 5. I'm not calling it Scream as it was released as the reboot version. It's Scream 5, and we pick up some of the same characters uh, in, in this film, much like we did with Scream into Scream 2, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sidney Prescott, who was the original character in the original films, who, who came back as well, played by Neve Campbell, hasn't returned. So that she said some very interesting things uh, uh, off camera about her role within this franchise and 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 uh, her her pay and stuff it was really interesting uh, but so she is she's not in this franchise mm-hmm. and it's kind of got a bit of a fresh air about it they've te- it's the first screen film i think to not be set in like woodsboro wherever it is yeah. it's, this is now in new york city new york new rules <laughs> Which I just is that really, the tagline on the bus that's got New York, New, New rules, rules, which could be it could be anything. I know. Anyway, so it picks up with some of the characters from Screen Five. But guess what? I haven't seen Screen Five either. But that doesn't really matter. All you need to know is there are two sisters, an older sister, sort of mid twenties, uh, called by. Uh, called Samantha Carpenter, a nice sort of horror genre surname there, in the same way that uh, Billy Loomis, one of the characters, is Loomis, um, is from um, Halloween as well, some sort of horror mm-hmm. references in there. Um, she's the older sister, her younger sister, I can't remember her name, but she's played by Jenna Ortega, who in, who in the time between she, last year's film and this year's film has become a massive, massive star. She's everywhere. And it is the first time I've seen General Ortega in anything. And I have to say, she is really great. She's yeah. such a great screen presence. I enjoyed every moment of her. And, the, and the, what I liked is that, obviously the film was probably made before Wednesday, but the film clearly recognized her talent and she uses her a lot. She does, she's not second fiddle at all. She really is in this film yeah. a lot, which is great. So if you're a General Ortega fan, you'll be happy. There's a couple of other characters who have carried over as well. They were high schoolers then and now they've moved to the college. They've gone to New York to, st- to study, okay? So new city, new rules. There you go. So I went into Scream 6, a little bit trepidatious, like I said. Uh, doesn't thrill me with confidence when you've got this sort of, um, f- so far down the line that we're having the sixth iteration. But I went to see it, went to see it with a group of friends and I had a much better time than I anticipated. Mm. I think Scream 6 is really solid fun, okay? Um, let's talk about the good stuff. So the, the, first of all, it opens, uh, well, but even before it opens, the BBFC title card comes up and it says rated 18. 
for strong bloody violence and stuff. And I think, thank you. Oh. About time. When I mentioned Cocaine Bear and The Menu and Knock at the Cabin and um, some other, you know, some other films recently, I said the problem was that they pulled their punches, right? Mm. They, 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 uh, wanted to hook you in with a gritty premise, but then, you know, didn't want to get their teeth really dirty when it, when it mattered. This film accepts we're a scream film, we're a slasher film, it's going to be 18, people are going to be getting stabbed, there's going to be lots of blood, and I and I thank it for at least, like, going into the, with a good foot. And I think we've all been able to tell that there is a big apprehension from, I think, movie studios to be bold and be 18. Exactly. Because they've been afraid of, you know, losing out a huge majority of their audience. Exactly. you take kids to see the film. But, you know, there have been so many outliers that have proven you can make shitloads of money with an 18 uh, film. Yeah, so. or an R-rated movie, as it Oh, in, in, but exactly, yeah. and this has you know has proven that point correctly because it is making uh, a lot of money. So the first of all that comes up, and I'm like, great, okay, I'm, I'm in. That's already a vote of confidence. Then you get this 15 minute opening sequence um, because going in, sorry, I should say is that what I love. I like the first screen film. We both do. I know yeah. we we talked about that opening sequence in the first film. How great that is. And what I like about screen movies, or the one I've seen, is that. It is it has thrills and it has chills, but it's also funny and witty yeah. and playful. And that's the whole thing in it. It's about horror movies. It's about being slightly meta. Good and, mystery and, and, as well. Yeah, exactly, right? And the first 15 minutes of this film really does a good job at understanding and capturing what screen films should do and getting you back in. There is uh, Samara Weaving is waiting at a bar uh, in, in New York wearing a uh, high, a white roll neck dress, which is like a subtle costume reference to Drew Barrymore, right, yeah. another blonde in uh, a white roll neck. And uh, instead of getting a phone call, she's texting with a guy she's waiting for a drink for, right? And they speak on the phone. And it's, hey, I, I, I'm lost. I, I'm in the wrong block. I'm nearby. And they get talking. And the topic of horror movies comes up again. Why? Because she's, a, prof- she's, a, she's a professor of film studies. And she teaches and specializes in slasher movies. And I'm like, I'm really oh, enjoying this play dying to get on the original. I know. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm really enjoying this play on the original. And you know, the, the topic of films is in there uh, as spoken. And then, um, you know, he says, oh, I'm lost. Can you come out and see, you know, help me see, see where I am? And this is where the film really leans into its and enjoys its New York setting. There's a, this, so th- it, in this particular sequence, there's some stuff with an alleyway that it really plays up, which wouldn't mm. have been kind of done in the same way uh, uh, in another setting. Anyway, and then uh, that scene progresses. And then uh, your expectations are turned. And then you have a sort of a second act of this 15-minute sequence which then becomes uh, your expectations are then flipped again. And this 15-minute se- sequence ends with a punchline. And as the punchline hits, the title comes up, Scream 6, and all four of them, me and my friends just erupted in laughter because it was really funny and really well done. Oh, okay. We were like, good, I am in. This film understand. This film is a Scream movie. Here we go. Um, you get a lot of uh, uh, building with the characters, which is a tricky one because the film is a little long. It's two hours. It did feel a little bit long, did drag occasionally, but it's in a tricky position with its characters because it's like, okay, we know this is a screen movie. We know you're here to see people get stabbed and get chased by Ghostface, but we also need you to invest in the characters. So which is it? We either spend time with the characters to get you to engage and you say, oh, I want to get scared more. We get just focus on the scares and you don't feel connected. So it has that slight balance there. It walks kind of a fine line. There are a couple of scenes where I thought, eh, I don't really care. But then a couple of scenes I thought, well, it's good that you have that character investment there. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so it's, it's, it, there's parties, it's, it's, it's college, it's, it's New York City. Um, what else works really well? I think that um, 
the other thing that, uh, when I said it leans into its New York setting, there's a scene, and this is in the trailer, but I won't reveal too much, but on the subway. Um, and it's, again, something that wouldn't have been able to do. It's just so iconically New York getting on the subway, but it's Halloween. Mm. And this is in like the third act of the movie and it's full of people in costume. And as you'll see in the trailer, Perfect. the problem is that there's six people dressed as Ghostface. Mm. But what's also really fun- The anonymity of a crowd, isn't it? Exactly. But because the, the film has done a lot to cultivate your attention at this point, you are, so, you know, you're, you're paying attention to this film because it's interesting, is that not only are there like six, seven ghost faces, but there is Michael Myers mask and there's a, 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 a what's the guy with the pins at- uh, thingy head not a razor head uh hellraiser hellraiser oh, right, okay. but what i also like there's also someone dressed as florence Pugh from midsummer there's <laughs> yes. also two people dressed as the doppelgangers in us and i'm like uh, i'm really nice. enjoying very subtle mm-hmm. uh, modern, modern modern horror yeah, community and this whole sequence of is this person on this carriage with me the real ghost face or person in a costume is really well executed there are a couple of every single like thrill beat works really well in this film. There's another bit in a, in like a seven 11 that's very tense. Um, uh, and all, all the action sequences, the thrilling sequences really work when the blood hits and the gore hits it, you know, when it stabs, it stabs. Mm. Um, it's, a, and that's, so that's really, really enjoyable. Um, it has a, it's funny. 90% of the time it's funny when it should be. Okay. And there's a couple of times when it's silly to the point you're like, am I, does it, have I lost, have, have we diverged now? Am I laughing at this because it's so silly or is it being so silly deliberately? Mm. So I'm laughing at it, but it doesn't really matter because uh, uh, you're still having fun. So for example, there's a sequence with a ladder and I was like, surely that's that's deliberately silly, right? Because that, that's so, oh, just so ridiculous. Um, similarly, like Dermot Mulroney's in it and he is chewing the scenery in a way that I was like so much that I thought, have you, misunderstood the joke of the film or are you so deep within the joke of the film that even I can't tell if you're playing this straight or you're playing this deliberately hammy but he's like saying it's like when there's people who say the quiet bit loud and the loud bit quiet but he's gurning his way through this kind of I'll I'll get this fucking killer and do what I want you know like it's um Anyway, uh, so that's very enjoyable. Um, so the film has- well, I always thought David Arquette in the original is kind of overacted a bit. Yes. And, sort but, of well, there, the there is this like touch of camp about the films, this touch yeah. of like shrillness that's kind of a hysteria, which is really fun. I mean, if, if, do you remember in the first one with like, um, uh, what's her name? Rose, um, Rose McGowan gets stuck in the garage door and it goes up, you know, like that's kind of like, do you remember that? Where she like yes, tries to yeah, call yeah, out, yeah. Like, that's ridiculous and mm. it's silly, but- Anyway, so that's all the stuff that's working great and, it, and it's really enjoyable. So when it needs to deliver, it absolutely delivers and we were having a really good time. Like I said, a little bit too long. Um, I think that another criticism I would have is that it, it, like most films now, are really trying to build a universe and build a history. And when it tries to lean into, you know, incorporating the history of- my eyes of, for anyone listening. Yeah, if, when it tries to uh, lean into incorporating the- history of five previous Scream movies. You know, Courtney Cox returns as Gail Weathers, but you also have Hayden Panettiere from Scream 4. And it's right. like, I know the film is trying to make this sort of very smooth uh, coexisting universe, but I sometimes can't help but feel like this is a studio retroactively trying to see that their failed attempts at a franchise t- 10 years ago and this patchy sort of uh, iterations of these films is actually one whole plan. I, so occasionally I felt like that was a little, yeah, it's a bit of a stretch to try and lean into this. We're not Star Wars here. We don't need to build this universe. And there's one particular use of, mm, 
slightly dodgy CGI where I was like, ah, come on, it's a screen movie. We don't need to have this mm. uh, seamless patchwork between all, 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 all seven films. But that said, you know, when I, when I came out of the cinema with my friends, we were talking about The Mask because I saw it with uh, a friend who hadn't seen any of the screen films. Okay. And then my other friends had seen slightly more than me. And he was like that. We were talking about how iconic and brilliant that mask is. And scary. And scary. Well, that's the thing. You look at that the screen mask, and it captures exactly what the films are, which is it's you know grotesque and it's like a masquerade mask and it's carnivalesque. But it is it. It's almost it's could be funny. It's so over the top and grotesque. It could it's be funny, a but little it's bit. uncomfortable. You look at that mask, you think that's a bit freaky, but it's not like a you know. A, barbaric like howling wolf or something with like mm. blood dripping out of its mouth. It's just something, or it's, you know, whereas the Michael Myers mask is the opposite. It's completely devoid of expression. This, mm. this The screen mask is so twisted and contorted. You're like, uh, it, it provokes a really interesting reaction. And I think the film Scream 6 as a whole understands that the identity of this brand and the identity of the franchise and the identity of horror films lies, uh, you know, of this horror film lies in that mask. Um, so really well executed, Really fun. Um, landed when it needed to. I laughed a good five times. There's some good sequences in there. Bit long, but you know, Scream 6, we all ended it. We all looked at each other. We said, that was really good fun, actually. Because on one hand, you can go, oh my God, the sixth. But if, I know there's some middle ones. Are, I think two and three are actually fine as far as I remember, but I haven't seen four or five. Anyway, if they're sort of going to endlessly make them and our grandkids are going to mm. see Scream 32 as far as we're concerned, it's not as they keep being fun, aware, sure. funny, yeah. scary and fresh and they're like irrelevant yeah. to a new audience. It doesn't really matter. Exactly. And like to hear that is so great because we have had a lot of modern Halloweens which have not been very totally. good. And that's such, that's, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Do you know what it is? It's like, it's not perfect, but it really is what a screen movie should be. Yeah. If you it doesn't need to be better than it, that. It is exactly, yeah. It, is, it, yeah. it completely fulfills the purpose of it existing. I used to dress up as the ghost scream face. ghost face of Halloween. Well, that's freaky. And, but I mean, yeah. As a kid. I can, I can see that. <laughs> but also we were talking about the, um, the actors who play Ghostface. The, it's the way that they their physicality moves with the mask that's brilliant as well because it he'll do the sudden turn with the head yeah and you'll look it's just that they the, the whole choreography of ghostface which is kind of got overlooked because we're so busy you know with the, the rest of it is brilliant and it's it's really good so um yeah uh a good a good fun i i think it's 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 it, yeah so much it's so much better than you would expect but yeah. it's exactly as it should be and, and never underestimate uh so many actors have said that it's it's not a blessing to have your face covered and try and act because all of a sudden you have to now rely you can't mm. rely on facial expression you have to use everything else yeah I, th- I can't remember which actor said this but it's like acting with your left hand yes it's like you no longer can use your face you have to literally mm. th- think about everything else and the, the speed at which you move mm. your head and how you glide and move yeah like, i think it might, it might have been tom hardy saying something like that with bane yeah, not, oh, not yeah, able to sense. have his mouth. It was all eyes. Also, it's one of those films that, like, you watch and you're like, "This has clearly been put together with a bit of intelligence, with like, yeah. with, with an idea." These people making this film have a clear idea that, that they want to play with. Mm. There's a, you know, the film has, has sets aside a whole scene where people talk about the tropes of horror films, and they go, "Well, actually," uh, and it gets very meta because they're like, "Well, actually, last time, meaning the events that happened to them in Scream yeah. Five, well, that meant you that survived, but never trust you." But that means, hang on a second, what about you? Because, well, according to horror tropes, that means that, and I'm like, it. Feels Feels, it could be a little bit forced, but I'm here for it. I like it. Uh, here to stay. So who knew? Scream 6, good time.
Well, there you go, guys. If you've seen Scream 6 and you want to let us know what you thought, please send us your email to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. We would love to hear, as always, what you think and read it out on the show. So as I said, got back from travels on Sunday. Was very tired, didn't see anything. Today I was like, I want to see something for the show. Got it. There were three films that I could have seen. One was 65. The other was Pearl, which I realized I hadn't seen the X, original yeah. X from Tia Goth. It looked like something I really wanted to jump into, so I was like, I'm not going to do yeah. that. Ty West, sorry. You, Ty West, sorry. You confused. You did me a you blended. Yes, yes, you see what yeah, I did? I know. Well, yeah. um, and uh, the last one was Rye Lane, which I'm also interested in seeing. Mm. But what got me to see 65 was A, I didn't, hadn't really followed much of its build up in marketing, to which there wasn't very much. And I saw Adam Driver and I saw Runtime 91 Minutes. Oh, amazing. And I went, right? So I just went, oh, great. I'll go do some stuff in the morning, see, I think it was like an 11.30, get back out at like 1.30, great, seen a film, mm. content for the podcast, done. I watched the film and then, you know, it, it happens and, and 65 is there. Uh, people know it's Adam Driver versus. Yeah, I'll, I'll get I'll yeah. get into it. And I all of a sudden just I'm a bit confused. I just Google what the hell happened to this film. And it turns out this film's release date had been pushed five times. Um, it was shot over two years ago, and it's a lot of the chat about this film is that it's very much just been hushed out by huh. the studio because they don't want to make a big deal of it. Well, you say that. Sorry, the only thing I would just say to counter yeah. that is that they did do a spot for the Super Bowl for it. I'm pretty sure they did, but they've also done screenings where they didn't invite press which no, is never a good sign yeah followed anything that's being reviewed it's never a good sign it always means that they're just trying to not get yeah. too many people talking negatively about it 65 i think we covered it on our films yes, 2023 20, list so as you know the film stars adam driver and it is set 65 million years ago um, there is a humanoid civilization from far away that uh, uh, look like humans and well they look like adam driver and he is on a vessel for plot reasons and he crashes on an unknown planet well we already know from the marketing yeah. here's one of my problems is that you know just as much about what happens as this in this film as i do because you've seen the trailer and i'll right. get onto that later but he crashes on this planet and all of the hibernation pods on his ship all the other crew members they didn't make it so he is alone and uh location unknown and then we cut it's to Earth. a wide <laughs> exterior and it's you know this classic sun setting off the back of earth right that shot yeah. of the light bleeding across the landscape and you see 65 and then the text goes million years ago yeah brilliant and the text goes on planet earth <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah, yeah. I'm like, what, what's my reaction meant to be <gasps> i you, live there you never <laughs> What? That's uh, where my house is going to be. That's the one of the nine planets I know. <laughs> this is amazing. And of course, anyone who knows a little bit about history, or knows, not even history, 65 million years ago is when the dinosaurs were around. Yeah. So obviously it's one of those man runs from dinosaur movies. Uh, and also what he didn't realize is one of the people who survives is this uh, small girl who doesn't speak the same language as him and they crash and he's got this little like uh, holographic iPad, which is very useful for plot reasons. And it shows him all oh, the escape pod is is uh it's uh, 15 kilometers that way oh, we have yeah. to move i've got um because you know obviously she's a little girl she's vulnerable so we yeah, have to protect her and here and, is the plot plodding along and he once had a daughter oh so he's emotions he has emotional attachment <laughs> to the girl and they have to get from point a to point that, b that plot sounds like the t-rex coming here <laughs> boom boom flooding. <laughs> okay and honestly that is it there is no twist there is no added layer of complexity there is no uh 
added uh, emotional heartbeat that took me by surprise. That is it. And I really got to two acts in the film and I'm just thinking, oh my God, like this is it. That is all, this wow. is all the film's going to be. And, you know, I guess it has an ending and it finishes. And I can't help but think based on, you know, the cast and, you know, the studio attached to it. I, I, it, for me, it really feels like something that has been reduced to its bare bones. Oh my God. Uh, it's written and directed Fossilized, by, if you will. Fossilized, even. Thank you. Uh, it's written and directed by the guys that brought us A Quiet Place. They are directing this film, which is a director combo, which is, you know, kind of rare. And I, I, I almost well, want it based on, no, not rare, but, you know, rare. No, no, sorry, I forgot you and um, I almost kind of think that maybe something has gone wrong with this. Mm. And there was another element that they've almost gone, this, is, this film hasn't worked out. It has to come out. Let us bring it down to nine. At least they had the decency to yes. not waste more than 91 minutes of my, of my time. At least they just thought, let's just keep this very simple. Let's not offend people with something worse. Mm. And let's just put this out and no one talk about it. Because, I, you know, even Adam Driver can't, save this film oh, sure. you know he's, he's acting very intensely and there's lots mm. of running and if it's not a t-rex it's a pterodactyl and mm. there are some squishy bugs which are a bit mm. of a pain in the ass but like i just was like wow that's it in so there's no sort of like planet of the apes t style like wait a minute all this time there's no alien covenant pyramid where we go back to history right. of time with michael fassbender it, this is just it it is as you've seen you know as much about the film wow as I do, and you haven't seen it, but you've seen the trailer. You've but, just seen a longer version of it. I've just seen a longer version of it. The fact that it's Earth, we know from the marketing, so that's not like a big shocking reveal no. in the first 10 minutes. Um, I found the sort of, you know, emotional connection between Adam Driver's past and the daughter he lost and nice. the, the girl he's now caring about. It's like a real sort of Walmart last of us yeah. <laughs> thing. Like, if you're really gonna yeah. escort girl from A to B. Yeah. And that is it. It's, it's look, I can't, I, I don't think it was offensively bad where I was like, oh, I'm so pissed off. I just, uh, that's it. Wow. It's happened. I will never think about it again. I guarantee you in a year to 18 months, you and I will sit on this show and we will go, do you remember 65 with wow. Adam Driver? And I'll be like, oh Does my sound God, like you. 65 with yeah. Adam Driver. It's there, it's happened. I'm pretty sure it's been, you know, something has been just yes. lifted out of it. Cause I don't believe that you commission a film with so little to say. So little meat. Yeah, it, it, it's got nothing to offer. It reminds me of the kind of film you would rent from a blockbuster back in the day, mm. thinking it had an interesting concept, and you'd be like, I guess that was an okay rental. It passed the time. Is it a bit like that film? I never saw this, but people said that about that film Life with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh, um, was it not Hugh? No, yeah. Rebecca Ferguson, Ryan Great Reynolds. Great cast, yeah. And the people were like, oh, you're thinking, because I, I said to you about that film, I was like, oh, I think there's a big twist in that. You were like, no, no. <laughs> The film is exactly what you think it is. Life, it's alien on a was, spaceship. Life was fairly entertaining. It's nothing new and it's it's engaging, but it's not. It didn't do any. Yeah, it didn't do anything new. Basically, yeah. it's yeah, a B, just, B movie. Just I, just, a B I, movie. I got out and I was like, God, it's really annoying. I mean, I wanted to talk about something on the show. I wanted to see something of yeah. substance, and I'm just quite weird. It was kind of weird that it had nothing to say. Don't go see it. It's not worth your time. It, 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 right. And even Adam Driver, who was the draw for me to see it, that and its runtime didn't add any other element for that. I would say that I will never tell someone to not go see something. True. I would say you go go see something Please, where you can have your you opinion. you really fancy it, but like bear in mind. And there are also, there are worse films out there to you can avoid. Yeah. Like I said, it's not, it's okay. not so much about it. I go, oh, you know what? this is, so, this is really annoying me. So I haven't seen that, but hearing you describe it and your reaction to it, I'm just going to say this again. Mm. I mentioned this a couple of times. Mm. If you're going to watch a film that mixes like science fiction and history and like, you know, crash landing on earth in a different time period, watch Prey from last yeah, year yeah which is really good that's a good i know you they look, they have, they look like the same poster the poster looks exactly the same watch parade that's that's a good plane movie as well yeah honestly and it's literally set on the great plains 
Hey, and the title is so, it's so clear that they don't have an idea. 65, what? 65 what? That's how many million years ago it was, and that's meant to be interesting to me. I know. Pretty ropey CGI as well. Okay. Just middle of the road. There we go. Sorry for talking about it this long. No, it's fine. Have you guys seen 65? Do you disagree with James? Do you agree with James? And should he go and watch Prey? We know he should. Uh, let us know your thoughts at hello at pulpkitchenpodcast.com. James. Before we go on to our emails, I wanted to throw back to a question we were asked a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Often what will happen is we'll answer an email on the hoof, on the fly, because we're pressed for time, okay? Mm-hmm. And we and it, sometimes it's better just to give an off-the-cuff answer, right? Mm-hmm. But this question has stayed with me, which was, if we had to watch the filmography of one actor for the rest of our lives, who would it be? I remember this. And the email had suggested someone like Tom Cruise, we suggested Tom Hanks, and mm-hmm. then we said like a, a supporting actor. I think we said like Michael Shannon, Michael Stahlberg, yes. to cover more ground. Perfectly fine answers. I was watching something yesterday and I thought, oh my God, I have the answer. And I think it's the best answer for this. If you had to watch the filmography of only one actor for the rest of your life, that actor would be, three words, James, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh my God. Right? Because- Highest grossing actor of all time. Look, and it's hugely prolific. I mean, he puts them out. He puts. He's been of, around a while. He's been around a while. Oh, that of course. I've it's got all flooding to me. Exactly. You have got the Fincher. Right. You've you, got the Star. Wars. You've got all Tarantino's. You've got all oh. Marvel. If you're that way inclined. Yes. I'm gonna. I've got his. Uh, what a IMDb great library here. to just uh, have someone and go. Once you, what do you fancy? Once you realise, you're like yes. that is the only answer. So my, you know, uh, Samuel Jackson has been acting for for years. Obviously, mm. it really started to flood in after Pulp Fiction. But of course, what did you get before Pulp Fiction? Jurassic Park. You get Jurassic Park as well. So you get yes. Jurassic Park, then uh, you get Pulp Fiction and all Tarantinos. He is in Die Hard with a Vengeance, Die Hard 3, which we talked about last yes. year. The second yes. best Die Hard. The only other Die Hard you need to watch. He's in Paul, Tom and- Paul Thomas Anderson's Hard 8. He's in A Time to Kill. He's in The Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, Jackie Brown again. He's in Out of Sight, which is... Uh, have you seen Out of no, Sight? Out of Sight is... Fantastic! It's the movie Steven Soderbergh made, but just before he made Ocean's Eleven, right? And all that energy and style and slickness that he puts into Ocean's Eleven is in Out of Sight. It's got George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. George Clooney's a criminal; she's an FBI agent. I remember you telling me. And they are cat and mouse, and they have the, but they're also deeply attracted to each other. Of course, they are. It's one of the, I, I, you know, I don't get get this with films a lot, but it's one of the few films I've watched and I've gone, this film is sexy. This film is really, it's a great, we've got a great cast in there. I have to just, but anyway, he's a very, very small cameo in there. Mm -hmm. Out of sight. Uh, The Negotiator, Star Wars, one, two, three, and you can count some of the later ones because he does a voice cameo. So if you wanted to watch um, Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it's in there. Yeah. Deep Blue Sea. Do you remember Deep yes, Blue Sea? I love Sharks. Deep Blue Sea. Yeah. I remember watching it on holiday. You know, getting his low budget trashiness in there. He gets in, eaten very, in yeah, a real sort of up, jump scare. Completely illogical physics yes. wise. Um, he great, was, great seat. Great moment though, yeah. Uh, Rules of Engagement with Richard Gere. Shaft, the reboot of Shaft. Unbreakable and thereafter um, Glass, uh, you know, if you wanted to watch that. Changing Lanes, an underrated movie with Ben Affleck, he did, and Tony Collette. Uh, Triple X, the original Triple X, he's in that. Yes. Do you remember SWAT? With Colin Farrell. Great. Swan's great. And Jeremy Renner. Yeah, is, yes, he is. not He's the and bad guy. Michelle Rodriguez That's as well. That's right, yes. Absolutely. Swat's okay. Yeah. I'm surprised they never made a Swat too. I saw that at the cinema. What can you, what can you follow up you with? You just her? do more. 
More swat. You just do more swat. Swat again. Yeah. To, to be swatted. Swat. Okay, got it. He is, I mean, I don't know how you would include this, but he is a voice in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Great. Oh, Officer mate, Tempe. Mate. The Incredibles. Oh, See, this is what's seeing the anime. This is stuff. brilliant. He's in Triple X2, the next level, if you wanted Thank it. God. He's in an episode of Extras. Uh, he's in Snakes on the Plane. He's yep. in, I mean, I must say, I'm skipping over a lot of trash you know what, here. You know, I'm like filling out my DVD shelf with all of these and it's like, boom. This boom, could last boom. your lifetime. If you wanted to watch Jumper with Hayden Christensen, I don't know why you would, but it's you could. Um, Iron Man. Is that, Cause that's it. He gets in right the first one. He's yeah. in MCU a lot. Yeah. Lakeview Terrace, never saw it. Uh, Soul Man with uh, Bernie Mac. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, he's just a voice, as we said. Blah, 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 blah. And then, then, like, the last 10 years is basically just Tarantino, MCU, Tarantino, MCU. <laughs> uh, the film Turbo, the animation, with about the, the the fast snail. Not seen it, but if it's all I got, I'll have a look. The, rebo- the reboot of Robocop. Again, that's a forgotten film. Yeah. With Joel Kinnaman. No, Good actor. Uh, again, MCU. Just already, you've got something for the teenage boys. You've got something for the kids. You've oh, my something God. something for the I, filmies. I have forgotten one from pre- pre-Jurassic Park, he's in Do the Right Thing, which is Spike Lee's film. One of the- oh, be- like, see that. Do, do the Right Thing is an amazing- It's it, Do the Right Thing- What year is Do the Right Thing? 1989. It's okay. always in the top 100 films of all time list. Oh, nice. In the BFI one, I think it was at number 25. Like, so Cute. when he was having these like walk-on parts, like he does in like Jurassic Park, that counts. So you've got yeah. prestigious stuff. You've got- And then you've got real mid stuff like- the Legend of Tars, Kong Skull Island. I mean, there, Christ, he's just it. there in everything. I, you know, I could he go really on. Is. He's sort of that presence where you, you, he's one of those actors you can forgive for just being Samuel Jackson in the totally. film. Totally. Like even when he does the Hitman's Bodyguard and the Hitman's Wife Bodyguard and Spiral from the Book of Saw. I mean, oh, the wow. guy, the guy is in a lot. Is that the only Saw he did? I think. Yes, so. yeah. he did. I'm just going to make sure. I'm just going to check. Menace to Society, which I've not seen. No. I'm going pre... Oh my God. He's in Goodfellas. I completely forgot. He's, he? he's in what? He's in like two scenes in Goodfellas. Done. Yeah. What a stat. He's in The Exorcist 3, which is meant to be underrated. Okay. Yeah, Do the Right Thing. Coming to America. Never seen it, but no. there you go. Another classic. You would. There. You would <laughs> if you had to. I think that... I, I'm. I, yeah, give me an actor who can done. beat that. No. That is incredible. Franchises. Great filmmakers of all time, kids um, films, yeah. and I, low budget trash. I guess you're missing something funnier that isn't Incredibles. Maybe. Hang on, you got no. You got stuff for the kids. You got stuff for the adults. You've got stuff for both kids and adults. Marvel. <laughs> yeah. You've got uh, indie films out of sight. You've yeah. got uh, prestigious things like Do the Right Thing. Yeah. You've got. Uh, it's it's as, it's as good as it would get. That's what you want from an actor. What yeah. a diverse portfolio of work. Yeah. For a person who, for as co- iconic as he is, you would think could be typecast. But he has no. managed to actually play the field incredibly well. Hats off to you, Samuel L. Jackson. You are the Pulp Kitchen hero of the month. And consistently good. In There, there are very few things I can go, well, he was, there's that film. He is really He rubbish. is good. He is dependable. He's, yes. He balances bringing iconic energy that someone like Nick Cage brings, mm-hmm. but also can act his way out of a scene. You know, like yes. he can he can work his way into a, a screenplay. You can throw him in a room with the Avengers and hold his own. You know, totally. That is a good one. Anyway, that was my digression. That's done. Decided. Samuel L, you're welcome anytime. Thank you for 
updating the answer to that email. I, uh, do you find that as well, that you'll be walking around and you'll I'll go, go, I finally I have, have an said, answer for yes, this. Yeah. I should have said that. I try to do my best to now like read them if I can and think about them. Right? I'm, I'm low level, really proud of myself for that. I'm, yeah, just, no, I'm actually kind of low level buzzing that I got a good answer. Out of I, I doubt anyone can come up with a better one. You can come up with other good ones. I doubt you'll cover as yeah. many different bases. Probably anyway. depending on what you like. But you know, I, I love getting that the emails. That balances quality and quantity. Anyway, so back to you. Not at all. I love getting our emails and I like sort of mm-hmm. flicking, flicking. Through. I try not to read them too much, but I'll have a little flick through and I'll get excited. I go, oh, great question. I was Same. in an airport and then I get this email from Sam who says, hello, Pop Kitchen Podcast. I recently went to Bali and when collecting my suitcase at the airport, I thought I spotted one of the members of the podcast, Mm. but I wasn't sure, so I didn't approach. A few days, checked Instagram and saw that I was right. James posted himself in Bali, so I did spot him on my flight and at the airport. Wow. There you go. So then I got this at a different airport, but I read read this email and all of a sudden I was like, shades on. They're on to me, man. (laughs) The other side of the world, can't get away from the fame. No, uh, that, as, as always, please do say hi if you think it's yeah, me. That was, really, that was really lovely, but I'm everywhere, man. You're here that you're just, you are the guy. And then Sam says, my question is, what films did you choose to watch on the, on the long flight from ba- uh, Dubai yes. to Bali? My, I myself watched Django Unchained, Joker and Top Gun Maverick, One of as well ones. as a Harry Potter. You did, you got a lot done. Also hope you had a good time in Bali. Thanks, Sam. Me. Sam. Great films from you. I did. I was asleep on that flight. Wise. Unfortunately, I watched an episode of The Last of Us and then I had to sleep because it was... And I make sure that when James isn't sleeping and he's not working, <laughs> I he's working doing... on this show. I'm either asleep due to necessity of, you know, biology <laughs> and, or I'm editing this podcast and watching other people watch Top Gun yeah. Maverick. So that is well, what that looks fun. But yeah, uh, those are all amazing yep. shouts. You did, did very... You must have just been like eyes glued open the whole flight. But, okay. Uh, yes, it is strange to hear people seeing me around the world. Okay, let's go back a bit. We have a bit of a backlog with emails, but stay with us. We mm-hmm. will try and get through them mm-hmm. all. This email comes from Ollie. Ollie says, hi, James and George. Love the podcast. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Do you guys ever find yourself getting really into a certain genre th- slash theme of TV and movies? And if so... What are you into at the moment? Mm. Last year, I found myself particularly enjoying satirical class wealth critique of TV movies, such as Knives Out, The Menu, and The White Lotus, although I think the genre mm. is starting to get a bit oversaturated. I yes, agree. see also Triangle of Sadness. Yes, um, I commented on the fact that we're getting too many yes. uh, wealth satires. Yeah, eat the rich, we get it. Yeah. Um, my new obsession is trying to find hidden gems in the crime neo-noir dark comedy genre, Ooh, cool. mastered by the likes of Coen Brothers and Tarantino. I mean, those are the OG guys. Yeah. A Simple Plan, I've not seen that, and Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, which is the fourth before film that Ethan Hawke has made, but has no relation to the before trilogy. <laughs> okay. But it's got Philip, get this for a stacked cast, sorry, I'm just on that to interrupt your email, Ollie. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, it's Sidley Lumet's last film. Mm-hmm. He directed 12 Angry Men and yeah. much else besides. Albert Finney, Marissa Tomei, Ethan Hawke, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I love Philip Seymour Golden, Hoffman. absolutely golden. Um, uh, they were a couple of good ones I saw recently. Are there any others that spring to mind? So James, quickly, um, crime, neo-noir, dark comedy genres. Oh, well, I, I was going to answer, find getting into a certain genre theme. The, okay. the only one I can think of that I do is that I will back-to-back horror stuff, which I think I'm about to do this week because mm. I'm going to do the- um, X and the Pearl. Yeah, X and the Pearl, and I'll probably try and see Scream 6. And I'll just be like, I'm oh, in good, for you're the scares. Oh, good, you're going to go see it, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd be like, oh, I'm in for the scares. That's when I'll sort of like block them out and traumatize myself for a little oh. bit. But other than that, I can't say I- latch onto a genre for like an enduring amount of time. Yeah. So I don't really block out of the stuff. I'm a, I spread myself broadly mm. instead of focusing on a specific yes. thing. Other than that, I will always say 
as I've said before, I'm a sucker for anything to do with time travel. That's tra- yeah. time travel that's done in an interesting little different way. That's a bit mm. like predestination or looper. I'll go, even if it's usually quite flawed and falls yes. in its face, face at the end. Harry Potter 3. Uh, my favorite Harry Potter one. <laughs> right, yeah. Who doesn't it, love time it is travel? The RT good about one. time. Um, about time, like about time. Okay. Uh, Ollie, I hope that answers your question. Oh, wait, no. Uh, do you have any other quick neo noir? Neo noir. Neo noir <sighs> fun. Oh, my God. Neo. Uh, Noir. What? <laughs> Where did you go, Christopher Walken? Neo How? Noir. What is got If it's neo noir, it would have to be well, any just like modern day crime noir that isn't, but it's kind of like funny version of it. So it, it, Coen Brothers, neo-noir. Tarantino, neo-noir. Fincher. The last that, I mean, ten Zod- years, Zodiac is set in the fifties. That's not. A, and also, it's not like a. It's not like, n- I tell you what. You mentioned a simple plan. Did you ever see a simple favor? with Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick and Henry Golding. <laughs> no. In many ways, James. What year did that come out? That came out in 2018. In many yeah. ways, completely rubbish. Yeah. But it is so bonkers and it has complete conviction and a complete tongue, tongue in cheek throughout the whole thing. It's directed by Paul Feig, I think, right? Right, okay. If it's not Paul Feig, it's the guy who did Step uh, Superbad, who's the other, the other director, Greg Matola. It's one of those two. I always get those two confused. But anyway. Okay. It's got that kind of tongue in cheek and- that's kind of an interesting spin. You can maybe go for that. Again, this is a question I'll have come you back will, to me. You'll see some neo-noir and you'll be like, oh. Thank you very much, Ollie. Memento. That's neo-noir-ish. Yeah, 20, that is, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that is all. This next one is from Ethan, who writes in and says, Hi, George and James. Hope you're keeping well. Uh, thank you, Ethan. I'm writing in with a question about a phenomenon I've noticed as the designated film guy amongst my friends and family. Mm. Have you... Ha- has a film you've highly recommended ever turned out to be poorly received by the non-film obsessives in your lives? In 2021, I convinced my family, who do watch a lot of films, would love The Power of the Dog as much as I did. It's led by a movie star, has a gripping story and a killer ending, yet they all hated it and described it as boring and confusing. Mm. Since then, I've wanted to suggest they watch Tar, as it was one of my favourites from 2022, but I can't imagine they'll get as much out of it as I did. Keep up the great work. It's so refreshing to hear a podcast made by people my age that see a realistic number of films per week. Maybe I'm answering my own question a bit here, but I find many professional critics' opinions are so skewed by the quantity of films they watch in a given week and that they deviate significantly from anyone with a more conventional life. All the best, Ethan. Just on that Ethan. Sorry, on that point. On that Ethan. (laughs) On that Ethan. On that point, Ethan, about the film critics, you see a lot of films. Mm. I think that is a very astute observation. It's something I've thought about because it is almost the film critic's curse the better the film critic gets, the more films they're able to see. And mm. there is, you know, the, the harder a film critic has to work, the more films they see because you your tastes, it's like saying the more food you eat, your taste and your palate mm. will completely change. Your perspective ego. on what works in a film and what function and what's correct in a film. You see the formulas yeah, so will be so clearly. different. And it doesn't mean that the film critic is any more correct than your average audience goer yeah. or any less correct. It just means that their perspective is just so completely removed and mm. far away from your average punter or you, even your, your casual watcher that, uh, yeah, it's, it, you, ha- you have to work. So, you know, like Mark Kermode had been a film critic for 50 years. I, I imagine that's the challenge of his career to really try and think about this, how someone who only casually watches his films going into There's this. There's also another dynamic, which is when you are not paying for the cinema ticket, that changes your relationship with the Completely. time you spent or the money you spent on your time. Yes. And that you, you lose that sense when you are, as part of your job or you expense mm. it or you get invited to screenings. Yeah. That, that relationship is different. Your time is still taken, but like if you paid money for a ticket, mm. you feel more emotionally damaged by if it really yeah. annoyed you. 
Um, but I'm, yeah, George, just on people are watching a lot of films. It's not received as well as, as when it you give it to, to you. when you give it to your friends and family. Yeah. Have I pushed to film my friends and family? I do you know what I have. I I I, I can feel the experience of having recommended and either watched with my family or, or, or have them report back to me of them going, yeah, I don't really like that. But I feel like I've suppressed the memory so much because it was so painful <laughs> yeah. that I can't actually remember the specific films. But it is, again, it's the film viewer's curse. You just have to, you want to share the love, but you can't always expect to be, it to be shared back. I definitely had it when I saw Interstellar and I was like, this is incredible. You have mm. to see it. And people are like, what a load of rubbish. For all the reasons you can criticize yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. So like, what a load of rubbish. It completely fell apart at the end, but I, I, I have a, I have a film friend who's a big cinephile, mm. like real deep life, likes the heavy. He likes the real dry stuff. He's fine at the back of the cupboard on Mubi, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. And he saw Interstellar with me at the IMAX in 2014 and he wasn't a fan of it. And the other day, he sent me a screenshot of his Nolan films ranked on Letterboxd. And Dope. he and he sent it to me before, and Interstellar was at the bottom. Wow! And he sent it to me again, and Interstellar was at the top. Oh, and he rewatched it. He rewatched it, and he has had a complete one eighty. Oh, great! And now he completely sees it for what he is. We were talking about like the emotional framework of mm. that film and how it works. It's and, Nolan Sopiest. Yeah, and 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 he he had like what I like what I had with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This like Damascene conversion. It's like I've seen the light. Yeah, I get it. You've got to make a little leap of faith with Interstellar, and then you're in. Uh, we've covered that many times. But okay. you know, it's interesting just to compare that with the email of someone who said when he sits someone he knows down to watch something yes. and he feels like he's watching them watch it and they're not taking it in and you want them to concentrate more, but they're not. Mm. I feel like it's kind of similar. You can almost, by, by setting up for some, this is the, a great movie, you yeah. have to watch it. It takes away from the fact when you right. discover a movie for yourself so, and you're like, oh, I just found this movie, I have I, to tell you about it instead of when everyone says it's so great. So this is my thing. I really want to watch There Will Be Blood with my girlfriend, okay? Oh, right, yeah. and, I've, and I've thought about it, and she said to me, why do you want me to watch that? She said, mm. not that she won't watch it, but she's like, okay, she's like, I don't know anything about it. Good. Looking at the, the front of it, you know, looking at it face on, it doesn't great. look like the kind of film that I'd like. Does there she, Will Be Blood know... is there violence. And I said, there's actually not that much blood. Not as much as you think. From the title. Um, did, I, did she know about like the scene? Like no, how many no, 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 references no, 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 would she, no, no. she would not know any of them. But I say to her, I'm like, I've, I think I've come to a point now where I am confident in my own ability to love that film. And obviously I love you, darling, as Harry well. Harry Stockwell's who um, wrote about our girlfriend's going to be seething. Yes, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but I, what I like about watching it with my girlfriend is that you do get a different opinion or even with family members. And yeah. what you have to hold fast to is that even if that person you're watching it with doesn't like it, that is something that will inform, that will positively, it can do affect your opinion because you might listen to the, their points and go, shit, they're right. Mm. And I've had that with my girlfriend. I've shown them something I've really enjoyed. And Anna will say, yeah, but I wasn't sure about this. I wasn't sure about that. And I'll go, that's actually a really good yeah, point. It ruins your own um, impression. Exactly. Um, but I, I've, I'm almost surrendering to the fact that she might not like it. But I, I said to her, genuinely, I just want your opinion. You like good acting. This is great <laughs> acting. The hardest thing about it, as I've said to her, I was like, there is not a single female character in this no. film, which is a, a, appalling, really. Yeah. But it's it's absolutely like, appalling. If you said you just said, oh, it's got great acting. Whereas you could say it has arguably one of the best acting performances of all time but in it, it, which is yes, not a helpful thing to say when you're going to watch it. But like, I, I would, I, I, I would say my, it's up there. My context, the I said, look, it's been often rated as one of the best films of this century. Yeah. And it's just so different, magnetically different. <sighs> I said, so it will not be like it's anything you've it's watched ruling. before. It's, You'll just have, you will have a reaction to it. Yeah. Um, so I will report back when we actually do sit down to watch it. Oh, can I come? For the record, I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> can I come and just watch? I'm absolutely not one of those film bros that 
forces their other half to sit down and watch something. No, no. I genuinely am interested. I'm watching it because I want to hear her thoughts on something that she would never have watched otherwise. Okay, next email from Sam. Yeah. Uh, and I love the paternal nature of his performance and, and the way that it was carried into the majority of his work. And it's one reason why I like The Amazing Spider-Man. Do you want to answer that question before I move on to the next one? Any comfort actors? Uh, actors that I I'm uh, that are very weird. So I like a Michael Shannon because he's an odd interview. And you find that comforting? Yeah, uh, comforting. Oh, you said was it? Comfort I think actors? any actors where you see them in an interview, they just put a smile on your face. Yeah, I'm gonna say Paul comforting. Rudd. Paul Rudd. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Yeah, let's go with that. Secondly, I recently loved Babylon despite its runtime. Mm-hmm. Despite the runtime, I saw it twice in cinemas. Just quickly wow, on the runtime, because we've talked about runtime a few times this episode, and it comes up every week it's as what, a topic. 305? It's 309, 309, Babylon. But we talked about runtime uh, earlier, and you, you know, with 90 minutes with. The, you know, I know we have this kind of like running joke that we love a 90 minute film, which right. we do. But I watched a round table of the directors the other day, and Ryan Johnson mm. was saying that for him, the perfect runtime of a film is 85 minutes. It's just Whoa. never possible to do it. He was like, Jordan Peele was sat next to me. He was like, no, no, man, don't worry about it. He was like, no, no, 89 minutes. That's the perfect thing, but you'll never get there. Um, 89 or 85? 80, oh, sorry, 85. 85. Sorry, 85. Anyway, uh, I love Babylon despite the runtime. And you uh, and you guys often, for good reason, talk about films being too long. And I agree that it can really put you off a film. However, are there any films you wish were longer? Ooh. Whether they leave out a lot of information or you just want to spend more time in the world of that film. For me, it's David Lynch's Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me. Okay. Due to the fact there is so much uh, cut out content that would make the film better for it being in it. And it also features many characters from the TV show that don't make their way into the film. Uh, um, and she names a few cast members. Just on that, I mean, this is a very well written email, Sam. I really yep. appreciate it. Um, Twin Peaks, another show I've never got to and I will try to in the future at some point in my life. Uh, a film I wish I was longer. I'm going to keep it short. It's a film I've mentioned before, Children of Men. That film is only probably yeah. about 100 minutes long. And that, again, not, not just would I make that longer, that should be a limited series. Mm. I'll be honest, I have very few. I have films which I think would be great as a series. Well, like I, I just said, yeah. Yeah, but it's as a... I usually am like, I like it because of how well it... <laughs> the <laughs> discipline. It's Let, very, it's very rare. wanting I, more. Yes, it's very rare I go, oh, it's all, it's all finished, it's over, and I love the film. Yeah. I'm usually That's, like, it, it, it curls to the end, and I go, great. Yeah. Uh, sorry to be boring. No, no, it, sorry. Sam then says, sorry for the length of this email, but as you can tell, I clearly love talking about films. Never hide that, Sam. This is fantastic. Yep. You know, uh, nurture that. Brought up so many uh, films. I love your podcast. It's probably my favorite podcast. Yes. And from now on, we'll get a great feeling of being able to look out for each new episode as it comes yes. in. Sam, thank you so much. P.S. There's a postscript on this. You've got to have the controversial opinion. You got it. It is. My controversial movie opinion is that I am really not a fan of Christopher Nolan. Okay. Here we go, Sam. Let's do it. I enjoy both The Prestige and The Dark Knight, the former in particular, but in all his other films that I've seen, I'm never sold on the narrative and in particular the characters. I never find myself connecting to any of them. Dunkirk in particular, which I was really not a fan of. I just don't find any of it interesting characters whatsoever. And yes, his films are technically and visually impressive, but for me, that is not enough for a film uh, to have a strong narrative and characters to grab onto. And without them, I just lose interest with a film. P.P.S. Apologies for the length, but this could be the next Babylon. <laughs> Just before I jump into Nolan, Sam, do you think you are making a judgment on the last Nolan film you saw, which is about, which is what I think your criticism could be attributed. You know, Nolan's only as good as his last film. And I think there's a lot of people who've come out and been like, they didn't agree with Tenet for the reasons which you said, technically, visually impressive. Uh, which I agree with you with. Yeah. Uh, you know, missing any interesting characters. For me, that's my problem with Tenet. But I, I, I do disagree when it comes to his, his other points. I think there are certainly weaknesses. Oh, sorry, go on, please. Well, let me put it to you as a question, mm. okay? What is Christopher Nolan's 
Best and worst film. Te- like technically, I think Dunkirk is very impressive. Mm. My favorite might be The Prestige. Yeah. I think Inception is phenomenal. Right. I can't answer that question. I think his worst film, I, there's one I haven't seen which is following. Right. But I think his worst film is probably Tenet in my yes. eyes. Right. But it's something you, like Insomnia? Uh, not seen Insomnia okay, either. That's no, need okay. to, there's two I haven't seen. Right. Um, Same. Why? What's, what, what are yours? I would say, in terms of. The best known of film, my favorite is absolutely The Prestige. It's one of my favorite films. It's, so, it's fantastic I, I, to rewatch. For, because not only does it have the kind of narrative uh, and technical dexterity, but it does have a really gripping story. It's, so it's a really, good. and very well executed. I love the period dense. detail. So it's got the balance right in terms of Nolan esque. It's got yeah. characters, it's got a good story, but it's got technical feet. And the technicality of it is mainly in the script. It's not big feats like in yeah. that Inception. I love Interstellar, but it's flawed. I think his other best one, I would probably say is Dunkirk, which although I admit doesn't have characters you can latch onto. It's not the point. There is something, I've said this before. The soldiers that, oh, weren't char- meant oh, to be yeah, characters. Obviously, can- yeah, the, the technical aspect of Dunkirk stands for itself, but there is something so bleak in some of the images that he puts across that I yeah. find that, I find bizarrely human because he is showing you just how desperate the situation was. Um, and I think for, for the worst film for Nolan, it would be for me, Tenet. I think looking at Nolan's films as a whole, it's quite easy to look at where he falls short. Mm. I, th- I think he is, he doesn't, he isn't the best, or him and Jonathan Nolan, I guess he also writes a lot mm. of his films. They aren't the best at writing relationships, women, yeah. people. In Stellar is, I think, the, the film that is able to do that the best. That being said, he is still one of the most exciting mm. uh, directors out right now. He is not just a person who tells the biggest stories on the biggest canvas possible, yeah. both figuratively and literally, he finds a new way to come up with a concept I've not seen before. Yes. It's a new way of telling a story or structuring a film yeah. that is always original. And that is why he is so exciting. It's not just the, the subject matter, yeah. it's how he's going to flip the switch. Even though Tenet, I, I think, is a very enjoyable time at the cinema, if not a bit flawed. I'm still like, I'm so glad that he was able to do that complicated of a film and release it and have a market for it. I, I loved unfolding it yes. as complicated as it was. And it's funny, like I had a friend message me the other day who was like, oh, I think about going to see Oppenheimer at the IMAX. What do you think? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. I was like, that's, I, I, if I could, I would have already booked it. It's like, it's a given. It's, it's just, it, it's you, so exciting. It's obviously there. A filmmaker, what I love about Christopher Nolan as well is that he, loves cinema mm. so clearly and loves practical tactile effects and 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 the, the relationship of working on film like that pure cinema essence do an interview you can you can hear this i, I i've no yeah. doubt that oppenheimer despite being yeah. a period piece is going to be uh out of sequence it's going to be in media yeah. res we're going to sort of loop back to different moments of time that's probably going to culminate in or the first he'll thing. surprise us and he won't do any or of that or he won't but <laughs> sam i it's perfectly fine. I do. I do. I do accept that he's not for everyone, but uh, I bet you're probably going to go and see his new film. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I imagine you're because of all those reasons. Um, Can't yeah, wait for it. Also, there's a slight kind of like film broness that's kind of been slightly tarred, noted a little bit. Not, not from, from his, but hangover from like you know other yeah. stuff. But okay. Anyway, Sam, we didn't mention the Dark Knight. Thank you for a, a long but very well written and very passionate email. This next one's from Naomi, who says, Hello, I recently went to see the movie Operation Fortune at the cinema after my father, who is an absolute film connoisseur and fanatic, said that you must have seen this as actually all Guy Ritchie... Yeah, yeah, keep going. 
I'll answer this. That you must have seen this as actually all Guy Ritchie films. I like the opening scene extremely well with the sound of shoes on a marble floor while switching to scenes of a robbery where the sound is perfectly aligned with the images. I also like that you were captivated by the story within 30 seconds. It was a really good action-packed movie where you could also laugh. But as you said in one of the episodes, it also depends on how the rest of the audience is involved. In my case, I heard a lot of loud laughs, so I really enjoyed my time. The pace of the film was really good. It was a little faster, but I like that in mm -hmm. movies because you can discover new things when you watch it again right. after missing it the first time. I wasn't completely convinced by Aubrey Plaza. I don't know exactly what bothered me about her performance, but somehow I didn't quite believe her acting. All in all, a pretty good movie, and I can recommend it to you. Now I also have a question well, for you. On that Look, point, just no, go, yeah, go because I saw that email come in, and I thought, what the hell is Operation yeah, Fortune? I come to my mind. And I googled it, and it's going to be a straight-to-streaming Guy Ritchie movie. That's what I've seen. Straight-to-streaming in the UK, bizarrely, and I think the US, but clearly not when um, Naomi from Austria did. Fine. Right? Um, that's the second Guy Ritchie film to go straight to screaming off of Wrath of Man. And I read, this might not be correct, but the pinch of salt, that a, the reason it got ditched onto streaming in some territories is that, uh, oh, God, I hope this is correct because I'm saying, but the, is that certain characters in it are Ukrainian and are portrayed negatively. Oh, and therefore it's not palpable, mess. obviously, with um, current events. So um, in terms of Guy Ritchie, I don't think you need to be, a, uh, to see all Guy Ritchie wants to be a connoisseur of cinema, far from it. I think, Lock, Stock, and Snatch. The first two films are fun and and and, and problematic, but yeah. but you know inventive. And I think what's the one after? Has it? I mean, I, I didn't mind the Man from Uncle, but I think the, when people say Guy Ritchie, I just think of those first two. I think if you watch too much Guy, if you back to back Guy Ritchie, oh, it'd Jesus. be like when you eat an entire bag of sweets and your mouth starts to feel sickly. No, uh, it'd be like if you ate an entire bag of um, um, pork scratchings at a, at a pub. Yeah, you know, the kind of pub <laughs> that Guy Ritchie, and, you know, yeah. right? And it's like you're not really meant to have all of these at once. You're meant to like take a handful yeah. and move on. Yeah. Whereas I feel like his style. Someone did, I've seen some great TikTok impressions. Like, yeah, we well, your first off, you yeah. guy called Danny. Now who's Danny? Danny's the guy that gets, see this? No, no, no. See, that's this, where you're yeah. wrong. But the early, the early Guy Ritchie films power. kind of, the energy of it that was new, fits in fresh. very well with like post Tarantino, train spotting, mm. yes, kind of 90s Tarantino. kind of energy. But, but like, they're Drier, locked in that grittier, time. It's distinctly British. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Now I also have a question for you. If you were allowed to choose a film series, we had the opportunity to reshoot the sequels because the first part was good and the others were not. Which one would you choose and why? Mine would be Taken or Divergent. Really? Interesting choices. Wow. I yeah, I would... Anyway, finally, I have to briefly defend Avatar 2. I think this movie was great and captivating. I like the story and scenery extremely well and saw it three times in cinema. Oh, I'll okay. comment on that afterwards. Keep up the good work. I love your podcast. Sincerely, Naomi from Austria. So, George... We'll get back to those other bits. What film series would you reshoot the sequels for if you had the opportunity? I've thought about I've this. I'm just going to keep it. One. I'm just going to keep it nice and clear. The Star Wars prequels and yes. Star Wars Episode Eight and Episode Nine. Okay, uh, prequels. I'd love them. To, I've said this before. I'd love them to just go. We're going to do them all over again. Yeah. Mine would be the Matrix. Just all the sequels. All the sequels of the Matrix. Leave the first one, obviously. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's just the sequels. Matrix. Does, one. It, does, does the Matrix need a sequel though? No, it doesn't. The ending's perfect, but. I would still, I still think there's a universe where very good sequels could happen. Okay. That's my answer. Very good. And then, um, Taken or Divergent? Divergent? Uh, I, don't, uh, I never read the source material, uh, but I, it is what it is. Taken, I saw Taken 2. Like Taken 1. Yeah, see, Taken 1 was fine. Taken 2 was time. ridiculous. I don't remember. Taken 3, I was like, this franchise is over. Why are you still going? I don't know if I saw Taken 3. Next email. Oh, Naomi has a follow-up email. Naomi, uh, you cheeky, 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 girl. cheeky one. But you've done it. You basically. Uh, I'm just going to paraphrase your email. You basically ask, um, 
Uh, which movie would you bring a friend to where you would insist that they can't watch the trailer beforehand and they're not allowed mm. to ask anything about it? It is a good question because trailers are very revealing yes. um, and and too much. My answer is simply Barbarian from last year. Great choice. Do not know anything about it. Go in. This next one is from Pauline who says, Hi guys, I wanted to push back a little on what you said about all war films being anti-war films. Right. I think what people are actually asking is if a film is pro-military or anti-military. We don't, we just don't label films like that because it could, it could get... Ah! We just don't label films like that because it could get you into hot water. And in fairness, it is a nuanced conversation. This is a throwback to when George yes. reviewed All Quiet on the Western Front and uh, you sort of made this comment about it being an anti-war I, film. It was more, of- I was being a little bit flip it it was more of a side point but I, but but I, at this point it was being sort of like oh it's an anti-war film i'm like well i th- my belief and i and I, st- I still believe that is that it, it and let me finish let paulie uh, we'll finish, finish email, but yeah. it's interesting because we had a couple of people write in on this idea yeah. which i think is really interesting um pauline continues to say i'm going to pick on top gun a little despite loving those films because both films are clearly military propaganda the first one was hugely successful for american military recruitment and for the sequel recruiters set up recruitment booths outside showings i would say 1917 and band of brothers despite both being grounded in reality were still pro-military it's really just a matter of of if you view it uh if you view that as a good or bad thing interesting uh the question oh yeah so we go she goes on to ask a question about the oscars but yeah interesting to bring up Top Gun 1, I, which I kind of agree. Whether or not it's designed okay. as that is another question. Uh, good to push back on this, Pauline. Yeah. I appreciate this email. I think, aside from the fact that I meant it as a slightly sort of flippant thing, on the thing about Top Gun, Top Gun aren't war, Top Gun, neither of them are war films, right? They, they absolutely fetishize the military and absolutely love military might and American imperialism. Oh, yeah, I nearly signed I know, up. But it's not a war film. So I wouldn't count that in the same thing. Uh, 1917 is that pro-military it is a war film I don't think that's pro-war I think that's very ha- I think that aims that film aims to be very harrowing and yeah. bleak and look at the loss and the destruction of war it, and, and the futility of the mission really because the mission he goes through so much yeah. to deliver something and it's this it, idea of like brotherhood and like doing something for someone which I think like is what yes. sometimes this comes on to. And similarly it? with Band of Brothers, which I think is is like one of the high watermarks. Yeah. It's, I don't think that film, I don't think that series is pro-war. I don't necessarily think it's not, it's not not pro-military, but it's like that film, that series, sorry, is flooded with so much dimension, like, you know, three-dimensional characters yeah. and complexity about the nature of war. And there are scenes, I remember specifically, there's an episode where uh, Major Winters, that point, da- Damien Lewis, keeps having flashbacks of one of the soldiers he shot at the beginning of the episode, yeah. and he sees a he sees a teenager on the bus who reminds him of a teenager he shot, and you know, there are these and then there's somebody who's like 18 years no there's one of the young soldiers who says he's 18 but he actually was 16 and he gets killed and there's yeah. just there's just I just don't think those films cut much more interestingly about uh, well I don't think those are pro because there's there's that band of brothers sequence where they have like the you know the pincer move in the in the dugout yeah and and they have this text like yeah 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 and they have this text which is like this is one of the most successful military operations ever and it's used as an example while it's celebrating that maneuver it's not a celebration of the fact that people were killed yeah it's this interesting midpoint where you're like looking at what uh america could achieve with its military but not celebrating similarly um saving private ryan which absolutely begins and ends with this the, the american flag flapping in the wind and you know very sort of militaristic proud music not only do you get that sweeping shot of the cemetery which you could say is again valorizing the dead and but 
you are then shown the sweeping shot of the carnage of Omaha Beach yeah. and the mess and the chaos that is given. The waste. And you are the best scene in that film. I mean, apart from the opening, which is fucking amazing, but one of the best scenes, and it's same Private Ryan, is when the, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now, is when the mother is washing up the dishes at the farmhouse yeah. and she looks up and you can see in the reflection of the window the military car coming and she just knows immediately what it is. That is brilliant. And uh, I just don't think there's other films that click up. I do think there are films out there that absolutely are much more pro-military, much more simplistic. I'm thinking maybe American Sniper, but to be honest with you, I've forgotten that film so much that yeah. I can't remember. But I, I think the idea of these kind of, the ones where um, you send your email about uh, get the bad guys and the bad guys are kind of mm. simplified and it's like save the day that for me feels very archaic to like post World War II pre-Vietnam era films basically all films that are made up into the deer hunter glorifying violence instead of glorifying war violence simplifying conflict yeah all of these other war films have acknowledged the complexity and the futility of war but anyway, an interesting it was a topic. Side, it's an interesting topic, um, Pauline. I, lo- I love the fact that you've emailed in about it. It was meant as a side thing. Um, I think we can all just agree, war's shit. There <laughs> yeah. you go. A question about the Oscars and award shows in general. Should there be a category for stunt work? I do think it is an important technical achievement worth spotlighting. Not to mention, it would probably be a good way to include more popular movies. In the same vein, do you think everyone should be able to vote in every category? I realise making rules like this could get very dicey very quickly, but whenever I'm reading about the visual effects, costume design, and sound design, there always seems to be a conversation from professionals in those industries about which film should win and which film will win because the majority of voters don't understand the medium. Sorry for the long email. Have a great day, guys. Pauline. Um... About stunt work, sure, absolutely. Why like not? Like that, that Mission Impossible feat that we saw with the bike yeah, jumping off, totally. incredible. Yeah, I can't comment so much on it, but like, sure. I, I've always found the more you pick apart yeah. award shows and how the structure of them works, the more I realise that we shouldn't use award shows as the definitive metric of course whether not. or not a film is good not. or not. It's worth just having the celebration, the glitz, and the yeah. glamour, and it's getting a conversation recognised. Never go, well, that film won, therefore it's the best. Yeah, it's the beginning of the conversation, it's not the end. Yeah. Uh, just the thing about, um, do you think that everyone should be able to vote in every category? My understanding is that you, everyone in can vote in every category, actually. My understanding is that, uh, you know, if you are a Academy member or a BAFTA member, you can vote for all of them. Yeah. But it's just that typically, um, obviously, as a uh, if you are a, a sound technician, you're going to vote for, you have a much more informed opinion about sound. You might yeah. leave some categories blank. I could be wrong there. But Pauline, a great email. Great email. We, uh, we still have so many emails. Thank you for sending them in. We are going to get to them as soon as we can, but we don't want this to just be yeah. three hours we, of, of emails. We are, we're tight for time. So if we haven't read out your email today, don't worry, we will get to it. Stay with us. As always, if you wanted to send an email, you oh. can do by emailing hello. <laughs> Which we will eventually read. Com, but maybe we need to like, don't send them, we've got too many. No, it's a great problem to have. Keep sending them in, they're all great. Patent pending, do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, stop sending them. That is an old bit of ours. <laughs> Patent pending. And then there was the cycling of the computers rendering the movie. Oh, so, <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Okay. <laughs> There's all these patterns. There's never a pattern that isn't pending. Yeah, yeah. There's always pattern pending. It's just two, I mean, it's two, two sweaty a, guys in an office. It's a, two, it's a toaster that can also be a pair of swimming goggles. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> Put pending. Uh, I don't know anything about toasters. Yeah, no, yeah. Where's Gary? He's not, here. He's not back till next week. Oh. Oh. Okay, game. Let's close with the game. Okay. 
Okay, George, we've come to the end of episode 68. And as always, we end episodes of Pop Kitchen with a game. We are back with one of our favorites, which is Cast List Countdown. That's right. Listen to this show before, you know how to play. But if you are new to Pop Kitchen, welcome. You can play along. Cast List Countdown is a game where I will read the cast of a film from the least important actor to the most important. George has to guess what film I'm talking about based on only the cast. You can play along at home. We are going to start with the first film. George? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's take this home. Ready? Can you guess this film from its cast? Ready? Three, two, one. Joanna Lumley. Okay. Kenneth Choi. Right. PJ Byrne. Uh, Rob Reiner. Okay. Kyle Chandler. Um... Kristen Milioti. Kristen Milioti. John Bernthal. The king of the cameo. It could be anything. Robert. Jonah Hill. J- J- um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, there's uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. You threw me with Joanna Lumley. Yeah, straight away, but she is she in She is that. in that. And a speaking part. It's like two scenes, <laughs> How maybe. Dare she? <laughs> yeah. Oh it's my like god, you're she has right. Like more than one scene. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Next up was Margot Robbie and then Leonardo. You could have put Spike Jones in there. I could have. There's a, there's actually a. It's a very and big John class. Favreau. John Favreau is also in there. I had to and, condense uh, it. And the guy from uh, uh, Silicon Valley, the the, the comedian. <laughs> he's got the bow. No, no, no. It's the it's the one with the bow tie. And he's like, oh, oh I, I just had a minute. Oh, you had a minute. Yeah. On the wish you day. Yeah. Spike. Yeah, he's like he's like like the penny stocks guy. Yeah, like, penny you know, stocks. I will personally. I will personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was Wolf of Wall Street. Great cast. Okay, give me round two. Round two. Ready? You have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Three, two, one. Ken Jeong. Okay. Bill Hader. Oh, anything. Everything. <laughs> Craig Robinson. Again. Jonah Hill. Uh. Harold Ramis. Uh, Harold Ramis. Ramis. Uh, Kristen uh, Wiig. In the same film. Uh, Christ- uh, Martin Starr. Well, it's co- comedy. Jay Baruchel. Uh, right. Jason Siegel. Uh, um, uh, Leslie Mann. Uh, uh, the, Paul uh, Rudd. Uh, the, 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 this is, no, no, this is uh, the other one. Catherine Heigl. No, 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 Knocked up. Knocked up. Oh, knocked up. And the last one, Seth Rogen. Right. Okay. There you go. Knocked up again. Huge cast. And lots of uh, huge peripheral comedy actors thrown in there. Great scene from Craig Robinson. I don't remember. I've only seen it he's once. He's the bouncer with Leslie Mann. He's nope. like, am I not pretty? And he's like, listen, I can only let three and a quarter black people in here. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, but that was Knocked Up. Fan of Knocked Up? Seen it once. Don't really remember it. Oh, I've seen it a few Hence times. why like it took it. me a while to get that guess. Okay. Last one. This is a good cast. I was writing this down. I was like, whew, big cast. Bring it. Well, it's a prolific cast. Yes. Ready? Okay. You have to guess the film based on its cast. Ready? Three, two, one. Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Stephen Graham. Oh, okay. Yeah, legend. Kieran Hines. Great actor. Um, but now I'm thinking. Toby Jones. Oh, John Hurt. Uh, John Hurt. Mark um, Strong. Ooh, the great voices. Um, hang on, let me think. Tom Hardy. 
Last two. Um, Colin um, Firth. Um, uh, 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 tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy. Yes, just. And then Gary Oldman for the end. Yes. But hello to that cast, right? That's, that is huge. Benedict Cumberbatch, Stephen Graham, Kieran Hines, Toby Jones, John Hurt, Mark Strong, Tom Hardy, Colin Firth, wow. Gary Oldman. Kathy Burke's in that as well, but that's the niche. And like a lot of these, you could flip, you could flip them around and have the leads in all of those roles. Yeah. And I would still want to see the film, and yeah. I think it would still be great. That's really good. What are your thoughts on that film? I've only seen it once, and I thought it was a bit dry, but I liked it. I, I don't Same. remember it well. I I've seen that once at the cinema. I thought it was okay. Very I remember, gray, I remember very there being spectacles, a and... tense moment where Gary Oldman unpeels a pack of Trayball mints. <laughs> uh, I believe that. Um, well, there you go, guys. Those were three rounds of Castless Count. Now, thank you, as always, for making it to this part of the episode. Don't forget, we post new episodes of this podcast every single Wednesday. And I've made the last few Wednesdays. Good I really you, have. I've really well made done an sticking to, to do it. that. Yeah. Uh, thank you, guys. As you know, you can follow us and support us on Instagram and TikTok. Um, like our videos, share our videos, recommend us to friends, send the links to friends, uh, give us a rating on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you are on watching this on YouTube, please make sure you have subscribed and give liked it. Like. It will really, really help us. Um, if you've made it here, you are a fan. And, we, and you are all friends of the show. All friends of the show. Thank you so much for sticking with us and watching this. And we hope and we hope. We'll be back next week. We will be back next week. <laughs> We will join you next week for more fun film chat. Cheers, guys. Bye.